very much for uh, joining us and helping us out. But uh, as Cameron was saying, we wanted to keep it uh, a, a bit simple because we want to make this podcast for people who are not really um, familiar with academic history, so they know uh, why history is important today. Um, mm -hmm. Because in our opinion, high school students, they learn history as a summation of facts, but they don't really see the way in which history can have an effect today. So we want to use this topic to show to them why it is important to study academic history and what it can, uh, how it can help us to make sense of the social world today. So um, our question to you is if you could help us with the interpretation of the concept, which I asked you about uh, in uh, the email, so we can have an expert talk about the way trauma can have uh, an, an effect uh, across generations. But we wanted to um, introduce non-academic um, people who are not familiar with academic historical research, the way in which um, historical trauma and history can have an effect uh, through today. So we wanted to make them uh, okay. familiar with the concept of the um, psychopathology of colonization, which is a hard concept maybe to pronounce in the first place and to define in the second. But psychopathology refers to the way in which a traumatic event can have a negative impact on mental health, even across generations. In, in at least um, the way in which trauma can have an effect throughout time because we feel like high school students are uh, introduced to history as a more of a summation of, fact, uh, of facts which is presented to them in a, a modular fashion but we wanted to show to people who are not familiar with it the use and uh, and the value of historical research by showing the way in which history has an effect today so in this case the way in which colonialism or oppression has an effect on the psyche of uh, the historically oppressed today. Um, we're doing an, uh, a, a public history project um, on the Indian removal, as I stated before. Mm -hmm. um, but we were um, talking about the Indian removal, but um, all the other public history projects were really about what, what happened back then, and not so, so much about the legacy of the Indian removal for people today. And we mm -hmm. found out that a lot of native uh, communities are still dealing with um, social, psychological issues, um, mm -hmm. with, with um, issues that are um, identified as post-traumatic stress disorder, even. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And some of these communities explicitly link this to their history. Mm -hmm. And um, this made us, um, in the first place, um, go to Dubois with his idea of double consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, who said, well, as, 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 an, uh, as an oppressed in history, as a people who are oppressed in history, you feel like you're never really part of the society in which you live because you are always mm -hmm. um, kind of the, the oppressed. So mm -hmm. but he, his work is more um, applied to, uh, to African-American history. But we mm -hmm. thought, well, maybe we should um, take it one level um, more abstract and look at who inspired um, Dubois which is Fanon with his idea of so, uh, uh, psychopathology of colonialism. So we wanted to, sh we wanted to kind of give an, ex an uh, academic historical concept to kind of explain the way in which the history of oppression can influence the community of natives today and how a history and an idea of history can give them social and psychological stresses. And um, we remember that you had once given an, uh, an, a presentation on the 
Confenon and uh, the psychopathology uh, of colonialism. So mm -hmm. we thought we wanted to let experts give their opinion or their perspective on, on these concepts uh, to, to kind of maintain a level of uh, quality in our podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so we were wondering if you could give an interpretation of what Fanon meant with the psychopathology of colonization and whether this concept can have any explanatory value for social or cultural or, so or psychological stresses of people today. Mm -hmm. um, and what your ideas on that. Okay, good. I can do that, I think. Great. Uh, so a, a look on Fanon uh, from today's perspective and why this is still relevant, his research that he has done. Yeah. Um, okay, I shall probably briefly also explain who Fanon was because not everyone might be familiar with this guy. Yes, great. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can do that. So this is the, a, a great question that you're asking, namely in how far done on colonialism, not only Franz Fanon, but also other scholars who have lived in the first and the second half of the 20th century, and how far their research can still help us today to understand what uh, marginalized groups of color, but also all other kinds of marginalized groups go through, and in how far their self-perception, their identities are connected to long-term historical processes. Marginalization refers to the processes by which a minority group is relegated to the sidelines of society. Those who are marginalized are seen as politically and socially less important or even unimportant by society at large. This power relation negatively impacts the way they negotiate their position within society. Right, so the, the assumption here would be, and I think this is also what Franz Fanon would underline, that um, certain forms of collective traumatic experience uh, can be passed over to, from one generation to the other. Okay, I mean, what we are pretty familiar today is, nowadays, is that certain forms of racial, yeah, so the, these forms of discrimination, you know, economic forms of discrimination, social exclusion, cultural, this field, he has studied colonialism, uh, not necessarily as a scholar, but as somebody who has experienced colonialism firsthand. Okay, um, he was a political philosophical thinker and a doctor who has worked in Algeria in a hospital in late colonial Algeria in a, in a psycho um, uh, therapeutical um, uh, clinic in a psychiatric clinic and there through his encounter with his students uh, with his sorry with his uh, patients he came to understand what the impact of colonialism was on these people's lives um, and um, these um, you know, insights that he, these findings that he collected as a doctor, he wrote down in certain books, in a couple of books, and he uh, provided a whole theory around trauma and colonialism that I think. So, in contrast to other scholars who have thought about colonialism at that time, who interpreted colonialism as an economic system of suppression, of exploitation, as a military form of, of repression and, and subordination, Fanon has said no colonialism had very important psychological consequences for the people who were subjected under colonial regimes. And he analyzed those psychological effects not only on an individual level, so in a personal level, but also at a collective level. So he was interested in 
the psychological impact of colonialism on groups, on communities as a whole. Okay? Now, there were a couple of um, diagnoses, so to say, that he concluded from his observations um, that had a deep impact on the psyche of colonized uh, people who were not in, uh, in possession of their full dignity. And that means people started to thinking about themselves as inferior human beings, okay? If, uh, of, if not of non-human beings as such. So that was the first big impact. So people were basically, um, because they were constantly told by colonizers um, that they were inferior humans or non-humans at all, uh, they, these people had taken over this kind of discourse and this kind of status uh, for their own identity and how they perceive themselves. This is a very demeaning it's with caused a lot of inferiority complexes and um, an inferior way of self-perception. Another aspect that, um, that Fanon um, observed with his uh, patients was that they were constantly trying to imitate the white people, so the colonizers. Okay, so because of their inferior status, they were constantly trying to become someone else than what they had been themselves. So to trying constantly to become more white than what they actually were as far as their culture is concerned, their, you know, the way they organized themselves and so forth. And the third aspect that is probably worth mentioning is that these people that he found with his patients that uh, colonized people were constantly devaluing their own local culture and were considering their own cultural practices, their way of organizing their communities, their social structures, to be in fact um, inferior and something to get rid of because it was not uh, up to date, it was not modern, it was not uh, uh, comparable to what white people uh, were supposed to have. Okay, so. This idea that people were constantly busy trying to get rid of their own culture, of their own um, habits, was another aspect that he observed. And would that also mean that in Fanon's view, that uh, a reappreciation of native cultures in the past um, can kind of have a healing effect if they find an appreciation for their own yeah. culture, if they kind of rewrite history, not seeing themselves as uh, lesser than the Western colonizer, would that have a, a healing effect? Has he ever read, uh, wrote anything about that? Yes, exactly. There were various acts of healing, uh, as you said in your, in your, in your uh, question. One act of healing is indeed to rewrite history so that the history highlights the violence and the repression that has been done to these communities. So the voices, to write these voices, the voices of these communities back into our history is in itself a therapeutical act, okay? Um, another therapeutical act is to uh, write the continuities since the colonial period into our understanding of history. That means to see and to analyze and to try to understand uh, that many forms of hierarchy, many forms of um, dehumanization, many forms of um, taking away the dignity of people that go back to the colonial era are not over, but they are still with us today. So uh, to understand those mechanisms of continuity better, to analyze them and to, you know, uh, to interpret them from a historical perspective is a very important 
um, act of healing, so to say. Um, maybe another act of healing that sounds more controversial from our perspective today is that Fanon was saying that violence can have a therapeutical effect. Okay, this sounds a bit provocative for us today, maybe, but we have to imagine, you know, in which context he was writing his works on his patients in Algeria. That was a late colonial, very brutalized context where people were experiencing physical violence on an everyday basis. And there he said, yeah, to, to oppose the violence that is done to you, even if it is with other forms of violence, you know, also with violence, can be, can have a therapeutical effect. So the violent struggle for independence from a colonial regime was for him not only an emancipatory act, but a therapeutical act. Something that can help to heal um, the, um, the traumas and the psychopathology of colonialism itself. Um, yeah, and for him, the, the final aspect that I would like to mention is that, you know, such practices like um, uh, psychiatry, uh, psychoanalysis, uh, were for him uh, not only um, tools that you could apply to restore mental health, but they were also political tools. So he was trying to politicize also psychoanalysis and psychiatry. Because he, for him, the political struggle were closely connected and interwoven with the struggle for mental health. Um, and that is something that was also a bit of, a bit of an alien or strange view for us today. Because those two things are not necessarily connected to each other. You can politically fight for something, for rights and for, you know, for your right to vote and for, for your right to speak up on the one hand. But this usually is not connected with mental health. But in Fanon's case, those two aspects are closely interwoven with each other uh, because they have an impact on each other, right? So political relations, political conditions have an impact on mental health and mental health or mental illness, um, psychopathology has an impact on politics. So the connection between the two is what Fanon wanted to analyze and understand. And for him, those two aspects were closely connected to each other. That's very interesting. Um, yeah. Also, another aspect, the relationship between um, political relations and the psyche, which we haven't touched upon yet. Can I quickly uh, ask, as, uh, the violence you're talking about, is it only like physical violence or also like mental and uh, verbal violence that can have therapeutic effect? Yeah, uh, Fanon is, is speaking here primarily, uh, primarily about physical violence. What he means by that is the right to physically resist the repression of the colonizers. So violence, uh, physical violence as a, as a reaction to physical repression and physical harm that is done to you by colonizers. Um, he was not, um, to my knowledge, he was not, he, has, he did not have such a nuanced understanding of violence that, you know, that we have today where we distinguish between symbolic violence and, and, and epistemic violence and other forms of violence. So in that sense, he was really talking about physical violence. So the right to physically oppose the repression that is done to you and that you are subjected to. And is it um, only uh, sort of defensive uh, physical violence? So uh, for, for example, a colonizer comes to your house and wants to do something to you, you have the right to defend yourself, or is it also more active? So uh, go to a government's building of, and that is a symbol of colonialism and, for example, uh, burn it down. Is there a no. distinction between that? 
It's not only his notion. Sorry, I think I interrupted, but the connection is again bad. Oh, no, no, so, uh, go ahead. The it's not only a you know physical violence in terms of self-defense. That was more or less self-evident for Kano and also for many others that you can defend yourself when yeah. you are physically attacked. Um, there is also another form of physical violence that contributes to the end of the colonial rule. So whenever it is about attacking. Um, um, you know, uh, the colonial infrastructure, whenever it's about attacking um, uh, the repressive apparatus of the colonial regime, that, according to him, would also uh, uh, come under legitimate violence because these, these are the pillars of the colonial regimes. So by attacking them, you will contribute to an abolition of this repressive system that makes people sick and harms them physically. Yeah. And we also earlier touched upon the fact that he uh, maybe is not a, uh, or he doesn't write about colonialism as a scholar, but as, an, as a person who experiences colonialism. So in that sense, how seriously should we take Fanon's findings in an academic way? Because he has an academic education and he also bases his findings on experiences, but um, he, his work embodies a lot of values that also are embodied in the political organization that he goes on to join later in his life. So yeah. what is the distinction or the yeah, yeah. proportion between um, academic value of his work and mm -hmm. the, the value of his work as political activism? Oh yeah, no, both. Uh, I, I didn't want with to, my, um, with my statement at the beginning, I didn't want to play, uh, downplay his value as a, as a scholar, as a thinker, as a theoretician, uh, as a philosopher. He is, you know, amongst the most important uh, voices of what we today call post-colonial theory, post-colonial theoreticians that we have of the 20th century. So he's a high-ranking, extremely important and influential uh, uh, scholar from that perspective. But uh, we have to see that he's, you know, the way he, he, um, he, he constructed his writings, the way he designed his writings, he came directly out of practice. So he was not something who, who would work in the isolation of, of, of a university. So his writings come really from the practice out there in the field, in his case, the clinical practice. But I think we should take him very seriously as a, as a political activist as well as as a scholar. Um, his understanding of what intellectualism is or what intellectuals ought to do um, was also closely intertwined between, you know, was closely connected between intellectual work and political activism. So for him, uh, those two things could not be separated from each other. That's extremely important. So he had a sort of a Gramscian notion of, of, of intellectuals who would become uh, um, relevant in the societies in which they live and would help understand the existing relations in a society in order to change them, in order to overcome them. Yeah. Um, so for him, political activism or intellectualism was actually a form of political activism, I would say. And uh, we know that your research focuses primarily with regard to Southeast Asia. Um, do you have a, uh, an example where you could use uh, Fanon to explain the dynamics of a, or a group of people or a culture that you came across in your own research? And by extension, could you maybe imagine how Fanon's theory is also applicable to Native Americans with regard to the Indian removal? Uh, oh, yes, yes. Um, I have not used Fanon explicitly in my own research, but um, it is it is very very a very interesting experiment to use Fanon, for example, in order to understand subaltern communities 
and their histories in the 20th and 21st century and all over Asia. So not only in Southeast Asia, you know, you have plenty of, of minorities who are struggling to um, find, still struggling to find their place in post-colonial societies. And for that, I think Fanon um, would be very helpful. Um, as far as African-Americans is concerned, um, yeah, sure. I think the, you know, the status of being African-American in, in the U.S. in U.S. society um, can also and should also be interpreted as a psychological status, um, you know, as a psychological process. And I think the, the emancipation movements that we see now with the, the Black Lives Matter movement or many other efforts to, um, to fight for inequality in U.S. society, um, would be a very good illustration and could be very well analyzed as a psychological struggle for emancipation, um, yeah. right? In order to get rid of this, um, you know, inferiorized uh, status that African-Americans still have in, in U.S. society. Um, you know, what I sometimes miss a bit in the discussion is also that we Europeans are, uh, take care of also our own business in European societies. So... What we see uh, in terms of African-American discrimination in the United States has its parallels also in, in racism within European societies. And that kind of connection I miss sometimes a bit. So um, I think we as, as European scholars, um, we could also use Fanon's tools that he provided us with in order to understand the, um, you know, um, the, um, uh, the marginalized status of, of migrant communities, for example, in many European societies not only first generation, but also second, third generation in order to understand uh, the, their psychological state of being, so to say, in, within European societies. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, would be a very valuable exercise that could be inspired by, by Fanon. And many scholars do that right, to understand what minoritization means in European societies, in European contexts, cultural minoritization but also economic and social um, uh, forms of marginalization and what kind of psychological impact this has on the self-perception and identity of members of, uh, of these communities. So uh, you think that uh, Fanon, when he uh, was writing his works, that he was not only writing specifically about his own situation, but that his work is applicable to a much broader uh, thing. It's just the, the oppression of a group of people by uh, a group of people who want to hold power over them. And that some people mm -hmm. uh, can have psychological stress because of that, because they have a sort of self-integrated self-loathing because of that system of colonialism. And mm -hmm. some, and so uh, there are certain ways to deal with that. So it's not only applicable to, for example, Africa, but also to Asia, to North America, etc. Yeah, I mean that is the that is the you know the, the more general assumption behind post-colonial approaches to history that uh, there are certain uh, very important continuities. Uh, since the colonial era, not only in psychological terms, but also in social and economic, um, in economic and in political terms, that we need to see in order to understand the, the continuous relevance of, of colonial or post-colonial relations. That's the assumption that is behind post-colonialism. Uh, there are certain limitations, of course, about this assumption, but in general, I think this is a very valuable analytical approach that opens up new insights and yeah. very important insights into how our world order today is connected to the colonial era and the consequences that this have for this has for um, uh, for how people live in their societies.
and what kind of opportunities they, they find in their life. When Fanon talks about his psychopathology of colonization, does he mean that every single person that is affected by uh, colonialism has that integrated self-loathing or that believe that they are inferior or is it only applicable to a couple of people or most of them? Or uh, yeah, at least those areas, you know, that were directly or indirectly affected uh, um, uh, by uh, the colonial rule, and these were large segments of the society in one way or the other. Um, 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 yeah, so uh, what is also important is to, to remember that Fanon was not only interested in the psyche or the psychology of the colonized, but also in the psychology of the colonizers. Um, so he saw sort of neurotic um, uh, reactions um, to colonialism, to the colonial situation on both sides. So on the colonized, among the colonized, but also among the colonizers. And he says that the, 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 vicious, um, the vicious character of colonialism is that it distorts the psyche on both sides. So the white people, the colonizers, had a wrong self-perception, a neurotic self-perception, towards their so-called colonized subjects, and um, the colonized communities were suffering from the inferior status that was um, um, ascribed to them. So it's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole system of, of, of distortion, of psychopathology that concerns everyone that is involved directly or indirectly in the system. Um, was that not all already distorted? from the side of the colonizers because they began colonization in the first place? Sure, you could, you could argue that this was the first uh, uh, sort of neurotic self-perception that, that, that stands at the very beginning of this uh, colonial relationships, of this colonial relationship. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, from, from today's perspective and also from Fanon's perspective, um, uh, the problem started at the very beginning of, 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 of the colonization process. That was that were putting that was putting people, white people, primarily into um, societal positions that were um, unrealistic and had neurotic consequences for their own self-perception. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we should kind of wrap up there as well because yeah. uh, we only yes. have so much time and we want to don't want to keep you for too long. Yeah. But, uh, Hey, thank you very much for your contribution. I think this is a perfect contribution because it both um, shows the way in which history has an effect throughout time, but also shows how history can help to kind of solve uh, traumas in the past by reevaluating history and giving agency to different groups. So uh, thank you very much for your contribution. Yeah, um, is there anything else you would like to add? No, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me and I wish you all the best for this project. Yeah. Yes, we'll be fine. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Bye.